0: 91.1 Weagle presents the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your cars are welcome at 334-844-9345. Call now. You can follow Jacob and Bay on Twitter at Bay underscore Marks and at Jacob underscore Hillman 3. Now, let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. Welcome into the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. Or if you're streaming live on WeagleFM.com, we thank you for joining today's show. Bay Marks, as always, sitting alongside Mr. Jacob Hillman. Jacob, it's about as good as weather outside as you could probably ask for, so I'm guessing that's how you're doing today. I'm enjoying the last few days
1: of what will probably be perfect weather. Yeah. Because that's what we've got today and what we've had throughout the week. So I will enjoy it while I can before winter. Arrives.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, surely sooner than later, it's going to get cold permanently, or not permanently, but for a very long time outside. So uh we'll enjoy it while we can. But we're glad that you are all joining us here on Weagle 91.1 FM live from the Bradley Basin studio here in the Auburn University Student Center. This is the scoreboard, Auburn's longest running, Auburn University's longest running sports radio talk show and nationally nominated. Um, if you want to call in, as always, you can. 334 4 9345. 334 844 9345. Got a lot of stuff to talk about on today's episode of the scoreboard. Um, and we're going to get it started with some Auburn football. And man, oh man, if you uh, if you were in Jordan Hare Stadium last Saturday, I apologize uh, for what you had to witness. Auburn uh, loses a 28 3 lead at home to the air rating Mississippi State Bulldogs, who go on to win 43 34. And on top of all of that, they lose their starting quarterback and their starting kicker. I mean, what can you say? There's not much to say. To there, be honest. there
1: really isn't because it took me probably two days to really process, you know, everything that happened that day. It was just, it was, it was just such a wacky game. I mean, obviously, when you blow a 28-3 lead, that's never normal. It's never what you want to do, and I don't know. It, it, it was just a weird game that, like you said, coming out of it.
0: You realize, wow, we don't have our quarterback anymore and our kicker. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't able to attend. I I was out of town at a wedding, uh, which is rare for me to not be able to attend a home Auburn game nowadays, being a student. But talking to people who were at that game, and I know you were there, it just seemed like you know at halftime it was like I believe it was twenty eight to ten at that point. Correct. I mean, it was kind of like you know what, like we're only up eighteen, but I mean, the way we played in the first half, there's there's just no way we can't feel comfortable right now you're right this game
1: you're right and i I felt the same way and you know it's one of those things where when you're when you have that lead and your offense is playing the way it is you you feel comfortable and i think that's kind of how everyone the fans the students and even probably some of the team felt um obviously we don't know that, that we can't say that for sure but you know I'm sure like that's just nat- that's just nature you're just going to kind of relax and go into the second half a little a, with you know little with a little bit of confidence and too much confidence uh with that lead so it is what it is uh the the they'll learn from it it's a first year coaching staff uh, a lot of this team is young so it's something they have to learn from and I mean I think the big conversation is just I mean that's one of the worst losses that Auburn's had, in, several decades.
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's been a bad loss. That's actually kind of two bad losses two weeks in a row for Auburn um, in two very completely different ways. Yeah, and I feel
1: like the Texas A&M game is not quite as bad because I just credit the Texas A&M for that right, game because right. they really shut down Auburn's offense. This past week, though, I mean, first half you dominate. Yeah. And then the second half you come out flat. It's kind hard of to, hard to excuse this one and say, hey, just credit to Mississippi State because – when you were up by so much, yeah, you give Mississippi State their credit, but you also look at the mistakes Auburn made and and the lack of offense they produced in the second half.
0: Yeah, um, and you mentioned that that was the biggest problem with Auburn at A&M was the lack of offense. Auburn comes back after having not scored a touchdown in six straight quarters. Um, dating back to the Ole Miss game, they come out swinging early against Mississippi State. They're up at halftime 28-10. to 10. Bo Nix having one of his better games at home, I mean – Statistically, Bo finished the game on a broken ankle. Twenty seven of forty one, almost four hundred yards, three seventy seven, with two touchdowns and no picks. He protected the ball. But I mean, that's more so credit to the first half of the game. I mean, second half the game, offense was just non existent. They stayed in the locker room. Defense, I mean, early that air raid was just it was struggling. I mean, you saw them getting first downs in the first half, but they were tough earned and it was another bend, don't break, and in the second half the defense bent and they broke. So um, and I think a good point to make was, and I, I don't know, I believe it was Justin Ferguson with the Auburn obs- Observer put on Twitter, um, the statistics on this in his film room was when Auburn rushed three and dropped eight, they were less effective than when they rushed four and dropped seven.
1: Yeah. And then going into the game, I think the strategy was the game plan was around rushing those three. It kind of felt like that LSU game back yes, in 2019, 2019 with the 3-1-7. Which worked well. It did. And it worked well at times. In the first half on Saturday, but it felt like Mississippi State started to figure it out. Will Rogers really figured out, okay, this underneath passing game is really helping a lot. And Auburn never adjusted. Yeah. And that was the issue.
0: Yeah, and it would have been nice to see from Derek Mason and the defense some sort of adjustment. Um, it really did seem like Auburn just truly stuck with the three. And I mean, I mean, logistically, yeah, dropping eight guys against an air raid, that's gonna work the majority of the time, but it wasn't. Well, I also
1: thought it was kind of interesting because it was three safeties. You had Kaufman, Monday, and Puckett kind of back there the entire game, and obviously safeties Knighton would sub in a few times to other guys. But I don't know why guys like Kaufman and Knighton weren't being used in the box. Same with Smoke Monday because they are good run defenders. They yeah. can blitz as well the quarterback, whereas they would just drop them back. Running back slips out gains ten yards. Yeah. So I don't know. It's.
0: It was a, it was an interesting strategy that didn't really work out in the second half. Well, you mentioned Will Rogers. He had a heck of a day, to say the least. 44-55 for over 400 yards, six touchdowns and no interceptions. I mean, he just had a field day with Auburn's defense. Um, well, seeing you look at that longest pass is only 31 yards. Yeah, and I mean, he it's just slicing and dicing is really what it felt like in the second half. I mean, it just seemed like Auburn tried several different things in the secondary um, and none of them really played out to their advantage, but I mean, receiving wise for Auburn as well, you have to look at the highlights. Kobe Hudson had a career day, career high of 107 yards, had a touchdown and eight receptions, two one-handed grabs on one drive, mind you. Yeah. Um, that helped Auburn score a touchdown. So Hudson's great.
1: <laughs> Hudson's going to be a really good receiver, yeah. and I think he's going to continue to improve because you know there's still some things he can work on, but I, I really think that he's almost to the point where he is the guy for Auburn.
0: Yeah, for sure. Especially going forward in that receiver room that's that's definitely struggled this year. Also, Javarius Johnson, um, he had a great day receiving, and he would have even had a statistically better receiving yeah. day if they would have counted his touchdown as a pass. Yeah, um, so
1: yeah, he had 57 rushing yards with a touchdown and then four receptions for 102 yards receiving.
0: Yeah, and, that, and those 57 rushing yards were off of one play. Right. Uh, so that kind of gives you an idea um, of the day he had. But – Again, there's not really much you can say about this game besides the fact that the air raid and Will Rogers uh, and Mike Leach kind of slice and dice Auburn in that second half. Defense didn't really get anything going. Defensively, Auburn's highlights. So Kobe McClain with 13 tackles, Chandler Lutman with 10, and yet another strong game from Ladarius Tennyson. He had nine tackles, and I think that's going to be something a positive moving forward in that secondary. Look out for Yeah, like
1: you said, moving forward, look out for him. He's going to play a big part this weekend as well as against Alabama. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see what – exactly what role he plays in those games
0: moving on Auburn will have a new man under center this week and it is TJ Finley making his first career start as an Auburn Tiger last year as an LSU Tiger he made his first career start against this same opponent which according to Brian Harston in his press conference this week doesn't mean anything does not matter which it truly does not it is not it's a new year new coaching staff at South Carolina it's a new team
1: I think the South Carolina team's a little bit better than last year's uh so I'm really looking forward to see what T.J. Finley can do.
0: Yeah, T.J. Finley last year, again, in his first start at LSU, it was against South Carolina, and obviously that was a struggling South Carolina team last year. Um, I'm trying to go ahead and pull up these stats from that game last year if I can find them. I, I'm interested to see um, statistically how well he did, but I digress. Um, going into this game, the second year in a row, Auburn has to go to williams Bryce Stadium against a 5-5 five and five team in the Gamecocks with their also first-year head coach and Shane Beamer. Um, with a new quarterback under center, what are the keys for Auburn to get out of this losing skid um, and to go in to win Bryce Stadium, which is not an easy place to play either, and come out with an SEC win before the Iron Bowl? Yeah, first of all, his stat line from last year: he was 17
1: for 21 for 265 yards, two touchdowns, one interception against South Carolina. Ran for eight, uh, eight ran eight times for 24 yards and one touchdown in a 52 to 24 win. So, there's your TJ Finley stat line against South Carolina from last season which, as Brian Hartson said, does not matter. Now, the keys to get a win on the road this week. It's got to be what we've said all year, establishing the run. I don't think the South Carolina team against the run is as good as Mississippi State, and Mississippi State's rush defense showed out last week. Tank Bigsby only ran for 41 yards and two touchdowns last week. That's not going to get it done, especially when your backup running backs, West Hunter and Sean Shivers, combined for 19. Yeah. So you're going to have to find more running lanes, and a lot more room running if you're going to have success against the South Carolina team. And I do think that's going to happen with TJ Finley at the quarterback position. Cause I also think that they're going to be able to really throw the ball around. Uh, he's got, he's got a bit of a stronger arm than Bo Nix. That's, yeah. that's the one thing that TJ Finley has uh, that's better than Bo Nix right now. Of course, TJ Finley can develop and show different things that have improved since even that Georgia state game earlier in this year where he scored the game winning touchdown. So, I'm looking forward to see what T.J. Finley can do and what the offense looks like against South Carolina.
0: Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to look at T.J. Finley, like you mentioned. I like those points that you make um, because Bo Nix has started 33 consecutive games at quarterback uh, for Auburn. So, And he's in the top three in nearly every school career passing category as well. Um, so it's going to be all eyes on him, of course, as it always is with the quarterback position. But I like the point you made with his arm being stronger than Bo. I think that's something Auburn can really utilize And here on the scoreboard we mentioned earlier in the season was the fact that T.J. Finley wasn't going to be as mobile as Bo Nix. So go ahead and expect that going in. We saw that against Georgia State. Um, He did have a late scramble that helped Auburn get a first down, so he can move um, if he needs to. But you can't take that game into too much consideration considering who the opponent was. Right. Um, But, no, I think you can hit the nail on the head this weekend. It's going to be big on T.J. Finley, obviously. Um, He said he's been preparing like a starter. Harson says he prepares like a starter. So – we shouldn't see too much of a hiccup in the game plan. Um, but, I mean, offensively, obviously, that's going to be all eyes on him. Defensively, the biggest thing for me is is kind of going to be seeing those adjustments. The first half of the season, we really kind of praised Derek Mason and the defense for making those needed adjustments. They were halftime. a second-half team. Exactly. It was the complete opposite last week against South Carolina. Um, and, I mean, they had a great game against Texas A&M in the second half, but still, it's the same thing. First half has been strong. Second half has been weaker. I want to see the defense get back to that ability of being able to make those um, those adjustments when they need to.
1: I want to see them force some turnovers this week. I think that would help a lot because you're facing like a third-string quarterback in South Carolina. So go in there, force a few turnovers. Don't let that crowd get into it because, remember, it's a night game as well. South Carolina has a pretty fun environment uh, with sandstorm and things like that. So the crowd will be a factor this week, and I think that forcing a few turnovers – would really take them out of it and give the offense a short feel that TJ Finley can really get comfortable in and, uh, and really start to run the offense.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll, we know the front seven will have, will have their, their say in the run game, but with that carousel of quarterbacks they've had in Columbia this year, um, it, it's going to be very imperative for the Auburn defensive line to, to make some tackles for a loss, to get pressure on the quarterback. Auburn actually leads the SEC um, in tackles for a loss with six and a half per game. So yeah. Um, which you really wouldn't think just watching the game with the eye test. But um, one extra thing I do want to point out, Jacob, that I think you will definitely appreciate, we talked about the tight ends this year with Auburn and them being um, more important in the offense, being utilized a lot more. And we talk about TJ Finley being able to step into that starting role. And in that starting role, BoneX has used the tight ends this year. John Samuel Schenker, his favorite tight end this year, the starting tight end, is two catches away and also 12 yards away. For breaking Auburn's single-season record by a tight end for catches and receiving yards. Wow, wow. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of it's kind of mind-boggling. It really
1: is, so. especially because he's thrown it to other guys: Tyler Fromm, Luke Deal. Yeah. who got his first career touchdown pass this past weekend. Yeah, uh, even Landon King's getting the ball a little bit. I want to see him get the ball more. But yeah, I mean, Shanker's really proven himself and yeah. shown why the coaches had trusted the tight ends to catch the ball more and not just be blockers like Nick Krom yeah. said in his press conference last week. So. Yeah,
0: it's just interesting to point out. And I mean, that that's a guy that's been very reliable. So look for him to be utilized by TJ this weekend. Um, but on the road at South Carolina, Auburn is unranked. So South Carolina, before we go to break, what is your score prediction for this game as Auburn prepares for the Iron Bowl next week? Yeah, I really think Auburn's going to win this game. They're still a much better football team than
1: South Carolina. South Carolina, is, they're, they're on the come up. Yeah, they beat Florida by a lot, but that's Florida, what Florida is this year. Not very good. They lost Missouri. So
0: I'm picking Auburn. I'm picking
1: 28-14.
0: Yeah, Auburn's a lot better team than their four losses indicate. Um, Because three of those games are games they should have won. They probably shouldn't have beat Georgia. But the other three losses you can argue they should have and could have won those games. Um, So I'm with you. I think Auburn wins. TJ Finley has a good day. I'd say 31-17. That's gonna do it for Auburn football here on the scoreboard. On the other side of this break, Jacob Hillman and myself, Bay Marks, will look at college football this upcoming weekend, making predictions as we end the near of the regular season in the college football world. Do not go anywhere. This is the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. Thank you for tuning into the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Welcome back into the scoreboard on
1: WEGL 91.1 FM or WiggleFM.com. I'm Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks as always. If you want to join in on our discussion about college football or later on the NFL or Auburn basketball call 334-844-9345. That is 334-844-9345. As we move into our week number 12 predictions in college football, as we've got some ranked matchups this weekend, you know, it seems like every week is like one ranked matchup and that's it this weekend looks a little more interesting than most. So we're going to start off. 11 a.m. on ABC, easily the game of the week. Miss- I believe, Is this game day? It, it should be. Yeah. I believe it is. Uh, number seven, Michigan State travels to Ohio Stadium in Columbus to face number four, Ohio State. This is a playoff make-or-break game. This is a Big Ten make-or-break game.
0: Yeah, this game really adds to your resume and gives you a huge argument of whether you should or should not be in the playoff, uh, depending on whatever happens in the game. But... You know, Jacob, if this game was in Spartan country, I'd be picking Michigan State. Um, but I like Ohio State. I also like C.J. Stroud. I really like what I've seen of him this year. I also like Peyton Thorne, but like I said, it being in the horseshoe um, kind of gives him a big advantage, in my, in my opinion. I think it would take a really big day out of Peyton Thorne and Kenneth Walker III to get an upset. But I think Ohio State wins at home, and I think they solidify possibly their playoff spot. You want to hear something nuts? Go for it. Ohio State is a 19-point favorite. They are, which is insane considering it's number four versus number seven. It's not four versus 20 or unranked. 19-point favorite. I'm picking
1: Ohio State to win as well. Yeah. But, yeah, Michigan State's going to cover this game. I think this game will be close. Uh, I think this will be a single-digit game. You know, It could be really intense. I, I hope it is. We'll see what happens. But another thing, I mentioned the Big Ten race and the College Football Playoff race. Heisman race.
0: Yeah. CJ Stroud, Kenneth Walker, they're right there at the top. So I'm gonna be honest, dude. Side comment, I think both those guys are a little more deserving than two quarterbacks in the SEC. Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I'm with you there. I think that they've really shown out. I mean, three thousand yards, thirty touchdowns, five interceptions. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Fourteen hundred rushing yards, seventeen touchdowns in ten games, pretty good. Yeah. So that's statistics speaking, but I, I think that just the eye test as well gives me the benefit of the doubt there. Another 11 a.m. matchup on ESPN. Wake Forest goes to Clemson. Once again, this spread, not where you think it would be. Clemson's
0: favored by four and a half. Who wins this game? You know, I a lot of people are picking the fighting Clemson Tigers to win this game. Um, I'm going to pick the Demon Deeks. I like them on the road. I'm a huge fan of Sam Hartman and what he's done this year. I mean, 3,200 yards passing, 30 touchdowns, and eight picks. Should he be in the Heisman conversation? He, I mean, he should be. And it goes back to the comment that I made on the show a week or two ago: was if Wake Forest was the Clemson Tigers this year, I mean, they'd be a top five team with only one loss. And I mean, their one loss was a hard fought loss on the road at UNC, and then they bounced back with a ranked win uh, against North Carolina State. So I mean, he should be in the Heisman race. They should be have a little more respect on their name. But I'm going to pick the Demon Deeks on the road. Um, Clemson, again, just is not it this year. I know they've turned it around since their crappy start of the year, um, but I just still don't buy into DJ Uagalele. Wake Forest will clinch the Atlantic
1: Division in the ACC with a win this week. They are going to go into Clemson. They're going to beat them, and I don't think it's going to be a blowout or anything. I think Clemson is a good enough team to stay close and their defense is good to keep Sam Hartman from going crazy against them. But... I do think this Wake Forest team has what it takes to get to the ACC championship with one loss. I don't know what's going to happen after that. They need some help, but yeah. they're going to be—they're going to be a team be in good position. Everyone's going to be talking about should they be in the playoff, and yeah. they shouldn't be unless a lot of help happens. But they're going to make the ACC championship with one loss. As we move on to a game that should have been the game of the year in the Big 12, but nonetheless, it's not. Six and four Iowa State goes to Oklahoma. Can Oklahoma bounce back from the loss to Baylor?
0: I think they do, especially with it being at home or at home. If this game was in Ames, Iowa, I'd be a little more concerned. The spread is only three and a half, um, but we have not seen the Brock Purdy we've seen in years past. Brees Hall still ha- having a great year um, for the Cyclones. He has sixteen rushing touchdowns on the year, which nobody's really talking about, and he's already got almost twelve hundred yards. Um, so some pretty remarkable stuff out of him. But I think Oklahoma, regardless of if it's Rattler or Caleb Williams at quarterback this weekend, I think they get a conference win on the road. Did you see how Iowa State lost last week? I did not.
1: They lost to Texas Tech 41-38 to on a 62-yard field goal. 62-yard field goal in college football. That's yeah. like a 100-yard field goal in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is nuts. And, of course, uh, the Texas Tech radio announcers. They are suspended this week against Oklahoma State because they made comments uh uh criticizing the officials and conference leaders huh. during their game. And when I went back and listened to the audio, it's my, pretty bad. It might have been deserved. They yeah. they called out each and every official's name. <laughs> that you can't do that. No. Yeah. Well, besides the point looking at this game, I do think Oklahoma wins this game. Only a three and a half point favorite. I like them to cover that. I don't think Iowa State is it this year. I think that Brees Hall will run the ball well. But Brock Purdy, he will turn the ball over too many times against an improved Oklahoma Oklahoma defense. So we'll move on to an SEC matchup, the biggest one this week. And hey, I'm just just saying, there's a chance Auburn could still go to the SEC championship.
0: Okay, but and it starts here. What are the statistical odds of that? Point two percent. Yeah, because I it's seven games. It's a seven game parlay that has to run.
1: And three of the games are. Kind of unlikely. So, one is Arkansas has to be at Alabama. Mississippi State has to be Ole Miss, which I think that's possible, but still unlikely. Well, this time last week, Auburn had a really great chance of... Well, yeah, they did. They had a great chance before Texas a and as well when they just had to win out. It's but crazy that they still have a chance they do three SEC losses. Auburn would go with four losses, which would be hilarious. Anyway, Arkansas-Alabama. The Tide are 20-and-a-half-point favorites.
0: Does Bryce Young have his
1: Heisman game here
0: I don't think he'll have a Heisman game I think Arkansas um, especially coming off the overtime win against LSU a hard-fought win against Mississippi State at home the week before they're really riding high so I think they're going to go in with a lot of confidence I think they'll keep it close in the first half uh, giving Bryce a little bit of struggle at home which he's got 33 passing touchdowns on the year and it just absolutely does not feel that way I mean I don't know if I'm the only person that feels that way um, but I think Arkansas's defense will give Alabama a little bit of a struggle in the first half. I think the second half is going to be where Alabama, Jamison Williams, Brian Robinson, and company, I think they really get the offense turned up, um, and I think they win this game.
1: Yeah, I, li- I like Alabama. to kind of be it- it'll be kind of close at halftime. Alabama might be up fourteen nothing, 3 but then in the second half. Yeah, it'll Alabama be... comes out wins Oof. by t- by about twenty eight points. Arkansas puts up some points in the second half, but. It won't be anywhere near enough. It won't be anywhere near enough. So Alabama by a lot. They cover and they clinch the SEC Western division. Moving on to our next big matchup, SMU and Cincinnati. The number five ranked Bearcats welcome in an eight and two unranked SMU squad, which I'm sure they really wish they were ranked, but they're not.
0: Yeah, since I mean, sorry, SMU eight and two on the year, four and two in the AAC. Uh, The same conference as Cincinnati and an undefeated in-conference Houston team who's 9-1 overall. Put some respect on their name. Um, Trying to play spoiler to their conference foe on the road in Cincinnati. This will be the toughest game remaining in the regular season for Cincinnati. I believe... Who is it that they play after this? It's um, No one really worth it. It's at uh, Eastern Carolina on ABC uh, next Friday. But anyways, point being, this will be a tough game for Cincinnati. I truly think it'll be kept close since it's a conference game and SMU's really good. I mean... Tanner Mordecai has 37 touchdowns this year for SMU. I mean, that's pretty dang They're impressive. they it. Yeah, um, so it'll be interesting to see how he goes up against this strong Cincinnati pass defense in that secondary. It'll be close, but Cincinnati will win. Yeah, I really like, uh, like you said, that pass defense of,
1: of SMU. It's nothing special, but it, I think it's enough to really slow down Desmond Ritter and the Cincinnati passing game. I really like what SMU brings to the table offensively especially. Averaging 500 yards per game. it just really It's really hard for me to pick them, though, when they lose two extremely close games on the road to Memphis and Houston, though, because they're not going to blow Cincinnati out. It's not going to happen. So it's going to be a close game, and I don't see them winning a close game. So I'm picking Cincinnati, and I'm picking SMU to cover the spread but lose in a heartbreaking fashion.
0: Yeah, I, I truly can see this game. I mean, people look at it when the playoff time comes around and points it out like, well, they nearly lost to SMU. SMU's got three or four losses on the year, so. Yep. Anyways, here's a fun game, just a fun one
1: that we we'll, that we find some interest in. Undefeated and 22nd ranked UTSA Host UAB,
0: seven and three. <laughs> it's only a four and a half point spread, so our hometown Blazers are truly uh, truly giving a fighting chance uh, in the odds. But as much as I want to pick UAB, it's at UTSA. Obviously, they're undefeated. Um, I don't think UAB is going to win Conference USA this year either. Um, They're 5-1 and one in conference. They are, and UTSA 6-0 and 0 in the same division as them of yep. the conference. So This really decides that, that division. Yeah, North Texas is falling behind with 3-3. Three and three, So this could make make or break UAB's chances of winning the conference this year. I don't think they went on the road, and I don't think they uh, get a 3 P, I believe it is, for Conference USA.
1: Yeah, this is another game where I think UAB, they have a good enough defense to come in and, and really slow down UTSA but it will not be enough because this UTS team, UTSA team just knows how to win. Last yeah. week, they were down to Southern Miss in the third quarter, and they came back and won 27-17. Yeah. They they, they just know how to win, and I think they're going to do that this week against UAB as well. They're a fun team, though. I yeah. love watching them. So. Yeah, they are. So keep an eye on them, especially if they say undefeated, and just, just see what kind of bowl game they get into because they might be one of those New Year's Six bowl games. All right, we're going to move ahead to another ranked matchup. Number three, Oregon. Goes to number 23, Utah. This is the biggest game of the year in the Pac-12.
0: And, I mean, you could argue Oregon losing this game loses their playoff chances. It does, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Oregon re- truly has to win out and win the Pac-12 title game to stay in that top four. Because, I mean, they're at three right now, but it's a very thin three. I mean, uh, the the distance between three and four with Oregon and Ohio State right now is as small as it could possibly get. Um, so they're barely holding on to that three spot, in my opinion. Do I think they win this game? I do not. I I think Utah at home, night game on ABC Conference, their spread is three in their favor. I see this being a very high-scoring Pac-12 game. I really like what I've seen out of the running game of Travis Dye this year. That's a strong runner. He ran well against Auburn two years ago as a younger player. But I think Utah at home is going to be way too tough to contain, especially with their run game. So give me Utah. Utah is a three-point favorite, and they are also
1: favored in ESPN's FPI to win. 61.8% chance to win, according to ESPN's FPI. I think they get it done as well. I don't think Oregon's really done enough this year to really show me they deserve to be in the playoff, and that's why they are underdogs to a much lower-ranked team in Utah. So I think that this Pac-12
0: is still just not it. No. They are still... They're struggling to get get some respect.
1: Think about it. I mean... The last time they had a playoff team was that Washington team that scored first against Alabama, but then got blown out of the water. Yeah, we'll see what the Pac-12 can do moving forward, especially in conference expansion the way that keeps going, because they're gonna have to figure something out to keep up with the rest of the conferences. Yeah, unless the Big 12 folds, in which it might make it a little bit easier for them. So we'll see how that goes. But that does it for our college football predictions as we move on to the NFL in the next segment. But stay tuned to the scoreboard for the second half of the hour you're listening to myself jacob hillman and bay marks on the scoreboard on wegl 91.1 fm we're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 fm you can find more Weagle content at weglfm.com or on social media at Weagle underscore au
0: welcome back into the scoreboard on wegl 91.1 fm or if you're streaming on WeagleFM.com via the live stream button, thank you for joining us today on the scoreboard Baymark. and Jacob Hillman halfway done with today's show at the bottom of the hour. If you want to call in and be a part of our NFL discussion, call in at 334-844-9345, 334-844-9345. Those last four digits spell out Weagle. Getting into the NFL, we mentioned last week how Odell Beckham Jr. was making his way over to L.A. to join the Rams and then an even bigger headline here in the studio. Cam Newton returning to the Pan- or yeah to the Panthers and scoring two touchdowns worth over in Arizona. I mean, what a week! He enjoys that stadium a lot. National championship, NFL, NFL debut, debut, NFL comeback.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's hard for Cam Newton not to have good vibes when he goes to State Farm Stadium in Phoenix. And I'll just say, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun rest of the season. I don't know how successful it'll be. I don't know if Panthers will make the playoffs. I feel they'll make the playoffs, but you know, once they get there things might go a little south but yeah uh it'll
0: be a fun year to watch with cam newton at the helm they are in the hunt so we will see how the season ends are they out not in them. the
1: playoffs if it ended today i believe are they in the wild card i believe we are okay well kudos
0: both of <laughs> our teams would be um well yours yours is a little bit higher nah, up than mine. Nah. <laughs> but we'll see if cam newton starts this weekend we'll get into that game a little bit later in this segment tonight thursday night football atlanta hosts new england mac jones against matt ryan Do the Patriots win this game away from home and get their fifth straight victory? Well, speaking of 28-3, to uh, yeah, the Patriots will win this game. I do think that
1: Mac Jones is starting to play well enough where I think the Patriots can even make a push. Now, I don't think – I think it's similar to the Panthers where they're fun to watch, they're going to make a push to the playoffs, but once you get to the playoff time, that's when things start – you start to see what the team's really made of, and I think the Patriots are a good team but not good enough to make a move in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, Mac Jones has just been continuing to improve um, even when he's twisting other players' ankles. Uh, don't get me started. So he, he's he been managing the game. Nothing incredible, but he's been getting better and better at managing the games. I think they went on the road, too. There's a six-and-a-half point spread. I think they cover it. Um, and Atlanta's just been struggling. They're going to have to continue to look at their roster and rebuild.
1: Well, yeah, I also, I'll say I think that Atlanta, they're just an up-and-down team this year. They are. I like... Last week against the
0: Cowboys versus the week before against the Saints. Yeah, I mean, it's, what are we doing? It's it's been a struggle for the ATL to say the least. Moving on to Sunday at the twelve o'clock slot, Buffalo hosting Indianapolis in an AFC matchup. Buffalo is six and three on the year. Indianapolis is five and five. Feels like we're at the point where we're questioning whether the Bills are that good. I mean, is it, I mean, are we not? Well, if you remember, they started the season out slow, got back on their high horse, and then they've been on again off again. So. It, it's tough to say.
1: Yeah, I I think that they're still a good team. I mean, obviously the Jets game that doesn't. The last three weeks you can't really, other than the the Jags game which they lost, it's hard to really judge judge them off of. Uh, they lost to the Titans. They beat the Chiefs on the road. This week we find out. Well, that both these teams. This week we find out because both yeah, I like both these teams have played the Jags yes. and Jets in the last two weeks and and the Titans in the
0: in the last four weeks you're, too. you so right I mean, off that.
1: I think the Colts are a good enough team to test the Bills. I don't think they'll win this game, though.
0: Yeah, I think the Colts will make it very interesting, but Buffalo at home, I I don't think they'll be able to pull a victory out there um, just with the way that they, they are. Um, Talking about Josh Allen's MVP uh, hopes, he needs a big week this week. He truly does. I mean, the MVP race has just completely flipped from the first three or four weeks of the season. It really has. So that's been an interesting thing to, wa- interesting thing to watch. We'll have to do a segment on that uh, later in the semester as well once it gets to that time. Moving on, Chicago hosting Baltimore. Uh, I mean, Baltimore, who lost to Miami last week, and and similar to the the Bills, yeah. are they good or are they not? We don't know. I mean, and it truly seems like Baltimore and Marcus Spears made this point on ESPN uh, yesterday was Baltimore is just one of those organizations within the last, I mean, decade or so, especially with Harbaugh, they don't get too high or they don't get too low after a win or a loss. They stay really consistent and they're always really good at bouncing back. I think they're going to do so against Chicago. Chicago's lost four straight. Uh, I mean, to four very decent teams, in my need the Packers, the Bucks, the Steelers, just to name a few of them. So, but I think Baltimore on the road will bounce back, and I think they go to seven and three. You know, I was
1: almost going to pick the Bears, but now that you mentioned that Spears comment, it does make a lot of sense. Yeah, and it makes me recall all those times the Ravens have lost a game that they shouldn't have or lose a big game, and they immediately bounce back. Ravens by double digits
0: Cleveland hosting the 0 and 8 Detroit Lions does 0 8 and 1 I'm sorry 0 8 and 1 you're right they tied last week against Pittsburgh (laughs) which ties are stupid Um, but 49 degrees raining in Cleveland does Cleveland bounce back they've been on again off again as well they're sitting at 500 on the year and Baker Mayfield is truly in a very hot seat right now I mean a lot of people are questioning whether the Browns should go ahead and move forward with him, uh, in the long run. Well, which Browns are you going to get this week? Are you going to get the Browns that
1: beat the Bengals forty-one to sixteen, or are you going to get the losing to the Patriots forty-five to seven? Who knows? I'm picking the Browns because it's the Lions. They're they're going to beat up on the bad teams.
0: Yeah, for sure. it's simple as not being able to pick a team that doesn't have a win. So, right, solely picking Cleveland off of that. Um, but watch out and see what Baker Mayfield does there in the long run. Tennessee hosting another horrible team, the Texans. Pretty easy for us to pick this game. Well, you know what's kind of funny is Derrick Henry still
1: leads the league in rushing and has not played <laughs> in two weeks. Yeah. So.
0: It, it's hilarious. Tennessee is really kind of taking this division away in this divisional matchup. I mean, they're eight and two, and then the Colts are second, five and five. I mean, they've won
1: so many games in a row; they've won five or six, something like that. And I just, it's hard to pick against them right now. I yeah. think that they're going to run away with their division. And they are going to have a good chance at a number one seed in the playoffs. If they do that, they will
0: be one of my top Super Bowl contenders. Uh, props to Ryan Tannehill and company. I mean, they really turned it around from the start of this season. And especially if Julio gets going. Exactly. I mean, If he, he
1: is going, man. We haven't really heard much about
0: Julio. Out. Yeah, and that's, and that's the thing.
1: A.J. Brown's done a good enough job in his place yeah. that they haven't needed him. And, of course, when they had Derrick Henry, you didn't need any receivers.
0: Right. You don't really need that. Moving on, my Packers traveling to Minnesota. The spread is one and a half in favor of the Packers. Are they on upset alert this week in this divisional matchup?
1: Uh no. No. I even the even with Devontae Adams questionable and Alan Lazard questionable.
0: It says Aaron Rodgers questionable. He's gonna play. I like the Packers. I like the my touchdown. I do too. I think it'll be close just because Minnesota is just that pesky team in the division that never lets anybody just have an easy win. Um, so I think they'll keep it close. But I think Aaron Rodgers, he'll have a great day in U.S. Bank Stadium. I think they'll move to 9-2 on the year. So watch out for that game as well. Uh, new, real quick, New York and Miami, an ugly game as well up in New York. Yeah, I think Tua has a good day. I think that he will play
1: well against a bad Jets defense and kind of kind of show what he can do. I think that's the most important thing for him to do right now. Even with his ribs hurting, he just needs to keep playing well.
0: The return of Joe Flacco. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, He's I forgot starting. about that. Yeah, uh, that shows you where the Jets are at. It's horrible. I mean, with Zach Wilson being hurt, but I like two on the road, too. Coming back, I think he could have a big day. New Orleans and Philadelphia in an NFC matchup. This feels like a game before the year where you would have said, this game could decide a wild card spot. Well, it's a, uh, it's not going to
1: that. No. that no chance. So I just think that the Saints are in a position where if they do win this game, they're going to try to win and make a playoff. But if they, if they lose this game they should tank
0: yeah I, mean. I, I I was gonna say something similar that they should win this game but if they don't you kind of question whether you want to push for a wild card or just go ahead and give up on the year
1: right and I like what the Eagles have shown this year Jalen Hurts has been a little inconsistent but he's done enough to where facing a backup quarterback they could win this game so yeah I'm picking the Saints and I think they win on a game-winning field goal as time
0: yeah. I think it'll be really close too and I have New Orleans as well we talked earlier about Cam Newton making his comeback with the Carolina Panthers. He has had over a week to learn the playbook. So, first of all, he starts this weekend, correct? Easy. Cam starts against Riverboat Ron in Carolina. Um, who wins between the Washington football team and the home Panthers? So, not going to lie, Taylor Heineke scares me after last week. Yeah. That but was I also, a huge win against the Bucs.
1: I also feel like they're riding too high. Yeah. So, I do think that well, they come back down to earth a little bit. I still think Heineke has a good game, but it won't be what they did last week. And the Panthers win at home.
0: Yeah, the Washington football team just broke that losing skid. They won several games in a row. Beat one of the better teams in the league. Um, I don't think it's going to last. I think that was just a one-week fluke. I like Cam and his comeback. I mean, that gives Carolina a huge momentum boost that they need to make that wild card push like we were talking about. I like Carolina at home, and they do not give Riverboat Ron um, a, you know, a fair victory. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I also think that Christian McCaffrey has a big game this week. He was yes. struggling last week with his hamstring. Didn't matter because the Cardinals just bleh, were not. That offense was struggling. Yeah. But I do think McCaffrey comes back and they, he he runs wild on the Redskins.
0: That offense could truly turn into something that's very, very decent, I would say. It could. I don't think it's going to be in the top ten of the NFL, but no. it could be in the top half. Yes, I agree. Cam, Cam can truly make a difference there. San Francisco coming off an upset win against the Rams this past week in a divisional matchup. Travel down to sunny Jacksonville. Does Jacksonville get their third win on the year?
1: No. No. And the 49ers, they have got to go in and win this game. if They want to have a chance to make a push at the playoffs because, I mean, look at them. They're a good team. Yeah. They just have lost some games they should not have. I mean, the Colts game, that first Cardinals game, you can't lose those games.
0: Yeah, we, we could have had a matchup between two rookie quarterbacks uh, looking at this game before the season Lance, started. Yeah. yeah, 49ers are 3-1 and on the road this year. Make it 4-1 and after this weekend for me. Las Vegas hosting Cincinnati in the 3-0-5 slot this weekend. Last week, the Raiders lost to Kansas City, got blown out at home by them. They are on a two-game losing streak, as well as Cincinnati. Who breaks their streak?
1: ESPN's FBI has
0: this game about as even as you can get.
1: 49.7% chance for the Bengals to win and a 49.9% chance for the Raiders to win. Well, I kind of like the Bengals to bounce back after two straight terrible losses, horrible losses. They got a bye week, so I think they've had a week
0: to really refresh themselves, and they're going to win this week against the Raiders. The bye week plus just everything that's gone on with Las Vegas, I wouldn't think it would have affected them, but they've truly been affected by what's happened with their organization this season. I like Cincinnati, and I'm going to – I just have a feeling for no reason that this game will not be close. Just no reason. Really? I just I just have that feeling in my gut. Real quick, four games left before we go to the break. Dallas at Kansas City, the first time Patrick Mahomes has ever faced Dallas. Does Dallas move on to 8-2? Ooh, this is a tough
1: one because I think this is a game that the Chiefs need to win if they want to be a Super Bowl contender. You win this game, you beat a good team. Yeah. The Cowboys are a good team. I think the Cowboys are top. Five in the league right now. Their defense is improved.
0: Their offense, we know what we get from them. I'm picking the Chiefs being at home. I'm going to pick the Dallas Cowboys on the road. Kansas has only beaten up on really bad teams. I mean, Washington, the Giants, the Raiders, who haven't been real good, and then the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. The Cowboys have proven, proven themselves to me so far this year, so I'll pick Dallas. I really like them so this weekend. So are you a non-Chiefs believer? Not this year. There's something funky about this year. So
1: you so – okay, Chiefs right now. They lead their division. Do you think the Chargers can make a run at them? Yeah. Do you think that the Chiefs will be in the playoffs as a wild card team this year? That's a really tough question. That's
0: that's really tough. I don't know. I think we'll have a better we'll have a better judgment after this weekend. We will. I have Dallas in that game. Divisional matchup, Seattle and Arizona, who do you have?
1: Uh, Arizona. Easy. Arizona
0: on the road, same. Easy. I think Russell have a good game, especially with him coming back, but Los Angeles, who we just mentioned, the Chargers hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. I like Los Angeles at home. Um, I think this game could be really close, but I like Justin Herbert at home. See, I haven't – yes, I like him too this week, but I haven't loved them in recent weeks.
1: I mean, they're, they've are they won only two out of the last five, and Herbert hasn't been anything
0: spectacular. Yeah. So I'm in the Chargers, but they got to pick it up. Tampa Bay hosting the Giants. They're 4-0 at home, and it raises questions on if they can win away from home this year. Do they I mean, beat the Giants at home? Yeah. Listen. <laughs>
1: Just making sure. You got to – the Bucks are another team. They're kind, I think they're starting to fade with that loss to Washington. They're starting to fade to Chiefs' territory. Now, they go in, they dominate the Giants, and they move forward. Don't worry about it. But if they lose with the Giants – Concern.
0: Them and the Chiefs, same territory. I like them at home as well. You, you should beat this team this weekend. By um, a lot. Yeah. Moving on with the last segment of our show – NBA, I believe, is what's on the docket.
1: Auburn basketball.
0: I'm sorry, it's Auburn basketball. (laughs) (laughs) You had the sport right. Yes, right sport, wrong, whatever. Auburn basketball on the other side of the break. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman live. Weagle 91.1 FM.
1: One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. We hope you have enjoyed listening.
0: You can listen to us every Thursday at 2 p.m. on WEGL 91.1 FM or at WEGLFM.com. Welcome back into the scoreboard
1: on WEGL 91.1 FM or streaming at WEGLFM.com. The last segment of today's episode of The Scoreboard. Jacob Elvin sitting alongside Bay Marks. If you missed our Auburn football discussion, our college football, or NFL picks, you can go listen to the podcast right after. Just go wherever you find your podcast and search The Scoreboard, and you will see our logo and our show. And you can go back and listen as we move into our Auburn basketball discussion as an interesting article released on ESPN Plus by Jonathan Gavoni and Mike Schmitz, who NBA draft prospect uh, guys that really follow college basketball a lot, and the players and the headline, NBA draft rank, who has the most pro talent in men's college basketball? Guess who number three is. That would be the Auburn Tigers. At 237 points, it's kind of ranked based off, you know, high school talent. So 2022 top 100 players. Barry Smith, Al Flanagan, Walker Kessler—they're all rated highly in the NBA draft upcoming. Uh, other other guys that have a chance. Katie Johnson, and then you've got guys that right now they're kind of prospects for overseas or other professional leagues. Wendell Green, Jalen Williams, Devin Cambridge—but of course, they all have time to make sure that they uh, they get up into the NBA. It, it's interesting to see.
0: Yeah, I mean. That kind of just speaks volumes to Bruce, what the program's become. I mean, I don't know who it was that tweeted this, if it was Hawkinson or somebody on the beat, but somebody said, if somebody told you 10 years ago that Auburn was the third Whoa. best place in the country to go to evaluate NBA talent, what would you have said? It was like, I have no idea. I mean, the thing is, you know,
1: part of it, as Giovanni mentions, is the attractive style of play that Bruce Pearl brought to Auburn is, you know, fast-paced, you know, intense defense, which – Zeb Jasper, Katie Johnson are going to be so good at this year. It's just, it's interesting to watch because, I mean, it's number one Duke, number two Gonzaga, number three Auburn, number
0: four UCLA, number five Tennessee. So, I mean, just a bunch of blue bloods in Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. And then Auburn's up there with them. No, blue bloods in Tennessee.
1: (laughs) Good one. I like it, man. Yeah. I like it. But that just shows you where Auburn basketball is right now. Yeah. As they had a big win over Louisiana Monroe on Friday. Uh, It didn't start off well. Did not start off well as Auburn trailed at halftime, but second half was a much different story. It was opposite of the football game on Saturday, is really it was a great game for everyone on that team. You know, guys like Zeb Jasper, he had a good game after not performing against Moorhead State. So that was good to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jabari finally, I mean, he had a good game, game one, but I mean, drops 23, 10, his first collegiate double double. First of many. Yeah, still does plenty um, across the board as well. Had two assists, four steals, two blocks. I mean, he's doing just about everything that he's supposed to be doing as a future NBA star. Um, Doing a little bit of everything on the floor. Still guys coming off the bench, of course. The talk of the bench has been Katie Johnson so far. He had 18 points, three assists, and then two steals with his defensive play. Chris Moore, who has been, I would say, the most improved of the guys returning from last year. Um, 16 points, four rebounds, the best game of his career so far. So, I mean, it's it's been something different both of the games so far this year to
1: start for Auburn. You're right. Uh, Auburn wins 93-65 to over Louisiana Monroe after trailing 39-37 to at halftime. And like you said, Shabari Smith got his double-double. Katie Johnson was the second-leading scorer with 18. Chris Moore, his career high was 16 points as well as four rebounds. He was six for six from the free throw line. He had two and ones, and of course he went to the free throw line two other times. It's just, it's great to see guys like that step up with, in the absence of Alan Flann again.
0: Yeah, and it's nice to see guys step up like that and be able to play well, especially in the second half when you do have starters, which I'll give them a little bit of slack, like Walker Kessler and Devin Cambridge, who both had two points apiece, and then guys coming off the bench who are supposed to be um, producing more than they have so far, I would say, with Dylan Cardwell. Uh, Jalen only had six points, but he also had three blocks. So Cardwell had seven rebounds. It's Yeah, and that's the point I was going to make, was it's hard to criticize point production when you're producing in other aspects of the game. Right. Um, so in, in in a lot of ways, that's actually a huge positive for Auburn. In years prior, especially in the years where Auburn won the SEC, went to the Final Four in the last several years, it was more so of offense, 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 and the games that Auburn would lose would be They're not rebounding. They're not getting steals. They're turning the ball over. Well, in the very, very small sample size we've gotten this year with Auburn, you haven't really seen a a portion or two of the game that Auburn hasn't had somebody contribute to. I mean, Auburn is rim-protecting. Auburn is getting steals with the guards. Auburn is knocking down shots around the perimeter. Auburn is scoring inside. So I think that's a huge positive for Auburn men's basketball Going forward, and I think that's a huge sign for Bruce Pearl, especially taking it into the Bahamas next week.
1: Auburn went 10-for-25 from three-point land. Jabari Smith knocked down three. Katie Johnson was four-for-five from three. Get that bench production? Like, that's the thing. The you know, point production, it seems like it's going to go back and forth every game. I mean, Walker Kessler, Devin Cambridge, and Zeb Jasper, guarantee you they're going to have their 15- and 20-point games this year. They didn't have it on Friday night. But they're gonna get him this
0: year. It's next man up. I mean exactly. It, Whenever someone doesn't perform, someone's ready to go out and yeah. show out. Jabari's not gonna drop 23 a night. Wendell's not gonna go out there and drop 15, 18 a night. So it, it, and that's the point I'm saying is it's not like Auburn only has a few scores. I mean, let's be honest, in the final four year, up until the SEC tournament and the March Madness, it was really kind of just Bryce, Jared, Chuma. Yeah. Maybe some Anthony, maybe some Horace. But besides that, I mean, there wasn't really much point production, right?
1: And that, and that's—I think—that's the difference with this team. It's just that there is so much more overall talent. Like with those teams, you had scorers, you had ballers, but those guys had areas of weakness. Yeah. A lot of these guys, I mean, like Wendell Green's, like, yeah, you can you can knock on his defense a little bit, but it's not—he's starting for a reason. Yeah, he's starting because he can go out there, he can score and be a dynamic playmaker while also still playing good enough defense that those point guards aren't going to blow by him or anything like
0: that. You can afford that, too, when you have either Zep Jasper or Katie Johnson at the two who both play extremely well defense, Devin Cambridge, and then two monsters on the inside in Jabari Smith Jr. and uh, Walker Kessler who can protect the rim.
1: Well, yeah, you mentioned it before we came back from break. Walker Kessler's averaging four blocks per game. Yeah. that's.
0: I mean, it's not just one or
1: two blocks a game. Four. He had three on Friday night, so he had five on Tuesday. It's just it, – it's it's crazy to watch. And, of course, turnovers I've been impressed by. They're, Auburn turned the ball over ten times on Friday after only turning it over six times. You can average between six and ten turnovers per game. You're doing pretty good. Oh, for sure. Especially when most of the turnovers are just plays made by the opposite team. Yeah. So, I, I like what I've seen from Auburn this year. I think that they have – a lot of room to improve because it seems like every guy is kind of at the same spot. feels like they're growing together, which is something that could work out really well in Auburn's favor.
0: No, I agree. I, it's such a young team with some guys that actually aren't that young, that have been in the program for several years, like Alan Flanagan, like uh, Joe Williams, like Devin Cambridge, like Baba Tunde Akinbola that can show these young guys different things, but the young guys are also monsters in their own, in their own sense. I mean, Everybody is contributing something different to this team, and everybody's also contributing to one thing overall in production. So um, they have been very fun to watch. I know the first two opponents, I mean, we talked about Moorhead State wasn't a pushover. They were a tournament team, won the OVC last year. ULM's not a great team, so it wasn't very encouraging to see Auburn (laughs) losing at halftime. But I also think that they probably
1: came out. They were probably pretty motivated to come out and do something against Auburn after what they did against LSU. With nothing
0: to lose. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, seeing Auburn going into the Bahamas with these two kind of wins under their belt, I mean, it'll be interesting. I'm more so looking forward to that than I am this this Friday night. Yeah, yep. Tigers do
1: face... South Florida tomorrow night in Tampa. They're playing at the arena that the SEC tournament will be hosted at. So thank you, Bruce. Get a good look at that before yeah. before March uh, comes around. You know, get them a little familiar with it. So when they go back, they remember. They remember things. So next week, the Bahamas, though, battle for Atlantis. You start off on Wednesday at 1.30 Central against Yukon. Thursday, you will play Loyola, Chicago, or Michigan State. Two teams that have made the final four several times in recent years. And then on Friday. It is the hopefully Auburn will be in the championship game against either Arizona State, Baylor, Syracuse, or VCU. They'll be playing one of those four teams, uh, whether they're in the championship or not on Friday. But it should be a fun, fun Thanksgiving week of Auburn basketball. Do we think Auburn has a good chance of winning? I don't think they're gonna win it. They'll lose one game. I think they go two and one. Yeah, I agree. Now with that being said, I don't know if they lose the second or third game. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say whether I because I don't know if we're playing play Loyola or Michigan State. Yeah. It's tough to It's tough, it's to, tough say. to tell because of the tournament schedule. Right. Yeah. But I think they get two and one whether they lose game two or game three. I think they beat UConn
0: and then games two or three. Who knows? Let me ask you this, too, since we aren't going to be on next week. Does Auburn win the Iron Bowl? <sighs> Just real quick. Uh,
1: unfortunately, I do think that Auburn will fall. It'll be the first. I do, too. It, I've, Auburn's undefeated in home Iron Balls on map, So, if that gives you any hope, it really shouldn't be. We'll see. That's going to do it for the scoreboard. Prior to Thanksgiving, we will be back right before finals week. One more episode before the semester ends. You're listening to the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or WiggleFM.com. For Bay Mars, I'm Jacob Hillman. Have a great Thanksgiving break. You've
0: been listening to The Scoreboard on 91.1 Weagle with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Listen every Thursday at 2 p.m. as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at weglfm.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at wegl underscore au.